What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Brad Hawkins. Welcome to Adventures in Video Land number 156. Tonight I will be speaking with Paul Taylor. He will be stepping into the shoes of the horror icon, Pinhead, in next year's Hellraiser Judgment. Without further ado, please welcome Mr. Paul Taylor. Paul, welcome to Video Land, man. What's going on? Thanks, Brad. Just sitting here at home, chilling. It's off, you know, not... Not much of anything. <laughs> Where are you calling Today, from tonight? Calling from Dallas, Texas. Right on, man. How's Dallas treating you? Well, it's good. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I keep busy as an actor, so that's a good thing. It's. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that it's actually a huge theater town. I do wish more movies were made here, but the number of union theaters in Dallas, Fort Worth, is really amazing. I mean, an actor can actually can actually have enough insurance, you know, you have to ha- earn insurance weeks by doing shows in union theaters. You have to get the weeks in order to qualify for the health insurance, and I know a lot of actors have actually qualified in Dallas, and that's actually a big deal, considering the rest of the country is just, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Being an actor is, you know, you're asking for a lot of challenges, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I think, so, uh, I think a lot of video landers, when you... Uh, when you say you're talking to an actor, I think a lot of people automatically go to Hollywood, you know, New York, things yeah. like that in their head. You know, they don't think too much of Dallas. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, I was I was in New York for a while. I moved there uh, just a few years before 9-11. That was fun. Oh, my that gosh. Not not fun. So you were there uh, during 9-11? Yeah, it kind of freaked me out. Well, it freaked, of course it did. It freaked out everyone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it kind of colored my world in a really negative way. I was already in sort of a crazy place, going through a lot of darkness in my life, which actually, as it turns out, is not a bad thing when you get roles like Pinhead. But anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> um, so so that was just uh, kind of the cherry on top of the whatever dessert that sort of made me decide, you know, New York's not for me. I, there were a lot of issues, but the 9-11 certainly didn't help. Yeah, that's the, but, um, that's the nail in the coffin, love, isn't it? Yeah, I love New York City. I love it so much. I mean, moving there broke my heart, but I never expected to come back to Dallas. And I still um, am thinking about moving to L.A. That might happen. It could, but for now, I'm, like, I'm a working actor in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I got this great movie role that just came out of, it seems like nowhere, although we all know there's no really enough. There's really no such thing as an overnight success, and I'm not saying I'm suddenly rich and famous, because I'm certainly not, but, but, you know, I've been acting for 35 years professionally, and I got a break. I just happened to get a break, so. Yeah, which I'm cool. ex- I don't yeah. know where it's going to lead, what city it's going to lead me to next, but for now, Dallas is home, you know? Yeah, I'm excited too, man. It's going to be a fun conversation, because it's not every day you get to step into a role like Pinhead, you know? I know, it's crazy so i can't it's wait crazy. to yeah i can't wait to talk with you tonight and see how does that how does that even happen you know so before we get in well, yeah. yeah before we get into your portrayal of the iconic character um right. i want to let's can we talk about hellraiser judgment for a second sure absolutely okay so if I there's can't any, give away too much but yeah we sure can okay if there's anything that you can't say just tell me to piss off and we'll go to the next question okay <laughs> okay cool. so this is the 10th installment in the franchise and yeah. from what I've read, Judgment just isn't a senseless ca- uh, cash grab, but it's a passion project for the director. Uh, what can you yeah. tell us about the director and the passion for this film? Well, 
Gary Tonicliffe wrote and directed the movie. Um, he He's from England originally. I don't know what city. I just generally say England, but it's a small place. I guess that works. <laughs> In 1987, he saw the original Hellraiser. He loved it. He saw what was on that screen. He said, I want to do that. He moved to L.A. He um, started his own FX and makeup, uh, makeup and FX company. He And by the third film, he was on the team. So he's been working in Hellraiser films for, for, out of the ten, he's been on seven of them. Well, that's Either nice to know. He's done effects, he's done makeup, he's, he was a creative consultant on the action figures, which I think is really cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, and he's also acted in a, in a couple of, I mean, very small, very small roles, where I don't think he was in credit, but it's really a world that he <clears throat> he loves and he knows. And he's been working with, he's worked with Clyde Barker, he's worked with Doug uh, Bradley, obviously. And so, for him, personally, it's certainly not a cash grab. It's, he wants to keep the franchise alive. The franchise has been going downhill for many years, we all know that. And the quality of some of the films has been dreadful. And and he really, I, I, I think with, with this film, what what could potentially happen? I haven't seen it yet, of course, and I've only seen you know shots when we were filming it. I'd run over to the camera and say, "I'd look at it," and they go, "That's really cool." But I've never and I've seen um I've seen a trailer that has not been published that I don't even know if it's if it's going to be the trailer. And I screamed through the whole thing. I was like, "This is so cool!" Awesome. But I think um you know for him it is definitely a passion project i think that has everything to do with it with the how good it's going to be it's a new take on hellraiser but it's still the same world it's related to the same world but it's more of a it's more of a real sequel it's more um there's more advancement of what's really behind the scenes like you remember in the second film it's like oh look it's leviathan Look at this explanation. Here are the hallways of hell. Here's, you know, more of Pinhead and all these crazy Cenobites. And then the third one, of course, it was completely outrageous. Let's go to New York City and Pinhead <laughs> off the leash. But, but this one is, I think, closer to the original Clive Barker world that was created in Hellbound Heart. And even, I think it even relates sort of to, um, Scarlet, um, the Scarlet, um, Oh, I've forgotten what it's called. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Scarlet Letter. No, Scarlet, yeah. <laughs> Scarlet Letter. That's but, it. That's the it. Where, <laughs> the one where, uh, where Clyde Barker really got into the description of hell and actually the demise of Pinhead, which was, you know, I read the book and I was like, oh, my God, this is, oh, no. Don't let this happen. But anyway... <laughs> I think for those reasons that uh, I think Revelation, I mean, what am I saying? Yeah. No, I think that's <laughs> what it's going to be. You know, he, he, and he wrote Revelation, Gary wrote Revelations. He wanted to direct it, but he was already on a screen. I think it was Scream 4. I'm not sure. It was, it was one of the screen films. They wouldn't let him out of the contract. Okay. And it was, you know, it was one of those things where, yeah, we're going to lose the franchise if we don't do a film. That's Revelations was. And, um, and, and that's a tough spot to be in for a studio, you know, or a production yeah, company. Really tough. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's been talk for years 
of them doing a reboot, a remake of Hellraiser with Clive Parker and Doug Bradley involved. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I, I, I would I would hope that it would, and I, I would hope that I would be involved somehow. I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I really think that the reason that people are going to like this film is because it's not a cash grab. I mean, it's just, it's, there is, the the script is good. The script is good. And Gary directed it. He was there. He was on the makeup. He was on the direction. He was, you know, um, and it's crazy. You know, there's always an element in these Hellraiser films where Hell, where Pinhead, where the Cinebites are not the main feature, and they shouldn't be. Um, It's like Gary explained to me the first day I met him when I flew out to L.A. to get my, my, uh, makeup, my uh, full head cast done, he, he sat down and he said, you know, a good Hellraiser film is like a good cake. The story is the cake and the pinheads are the frosting. And what happens when you eat too much frosting? You get sick. Yeah, yeah. That's and good. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it. So the story itself of these horrible people, because a Hellraiser film has to have the horrible human beings. And then there's the punishment or there's the looking for the ultimate experience or whatever, the sensuality. Um, it's it, it, it. The story itself is is really cool. The story of the horrible human beings. And yeah, and that's great. and that's so important, man. We just got off of Alfred Hitchcock marathon. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Hitchcock is, you know, when you, before you start a movie, you have to have three things: the screenplay, the screenplay, the screenplay. You know. So <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so I'm, that's exactly it. So I'm glad the story yeah. has been cracked. You know, that's that's exciting for mm-hmm. Hellraiser fans. Yeah. So you've said you've seen a rough uh, trailer. Um, when did this movie yes. wrap? Um, I can't. It was a few months ago. It was too long ago for my taste. But um, <laughs> I let's see March, April. I think it wrapped at the end of March, or either either in March or April. I'm not sure. It's been too long. That's all I can tell you. All right. Are we going to get a I, uh, 2016 release, or is it going to be 2017? It's going to be 2017. Okay. I mean, that's what, that's the only thing I've been told. So that's what it says on IMDb. So I'm just going to assume that's correct. Yeah, um, that's a suck for you, yeah. though, doesn't it? Just kind of uh, squirming for it to come out, letting people see well, your performance in the movie and a, just waiting. In a way, it's in a way it sucks, but in a way, it it's like that, you know, the sweet suffering, the sweet anticipation. <laughs> um, whether you want to be quoting Rocky Horror Picture Show or Hellraiser, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, it's it. What's sweet about it is this thing has made me a little famous without ever having actually been seen in the movie yet, and it gives me. It's pointed me in a direction where there's a possi- There's a new possibility for me, you know. I mean, I am so grateful that I got this part. I'm so grateful that this happened. If that's all that ever happened was that I got the part, the movie came out, and whatever, and nothing else happened with it, at least I'm Pinhead, at least for one film. That's for sure. Yeah. That is so and fucking cool. It's yeah, the that's thing badass, that man. In my career. <laughs> um, but, but the waiting... I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to get... I'm trying to cultivate a fan base. I've already got a couple conventions... I have a convention agent. I'm hoping to tap into that world as well because who knows, you know, who who knows what can happen. You got to manifest 
get the positive things that happen to you in life, and and this is part of that. And uh, uh, I really believe that my own positive. I, I mean, I've been through a lot of. I've been in, like I said, some really dark places in my life. I've been suicidal. I've been. A lot of people could say the same, and I fortunately got after going through a lot of crap. I got some help, and the help, the professional help, really pointed me in the right direction. And, and I've just been—I believe that getting this part was part of that because I believed that it could happen, so it did. So anyway, you know, I don't want to get too spiritual mumbo jumbo about it. No, for but sure, man. That's awesome. That's important. Uh, it's so important, especially for an actor. If you start getting down on yourself and thinking that, oh, I'm never, this is never going to happen, I mean, then it's not. You're telling the universe, I don't want this to happen. You know, you're putting the energy out there that's negative. It's not. It's going to come right back to you. I, I believe all that stuff. Yeah, have you it's ever, not religion. Have you, ever read you know, the, uh, have you ever read The War of Art? The War of Art? Yeah. No, yeah, I'm writing it down right now. No, yeah, it's awesome. It's it's kind of like what you're describing, where um, the positive outlook um, of it, where you just um, it, it's the uh, antenna to the world, where you sit down and you start writing, you start acting, you start doing whatever it is that you do, and uh, yeah. the, the universe just opens up to you, and it you just uh, it kind of channels you and puts you on that right direction. So it takes you sitting down with paper yeah. or pen or acting or whatever, and and then yeah. just letting it, letting that energy channel you, you know. Yeah, you put it out there, you ask for guidance or whatever. You know, I want to get, it's not about whatever. People can say God, they can say universe, they can say power, they can say Buddha, whatever they want. It is the universe, and if you want to believe it, then you can believe it, and I believe it. So it, it is, it's about putting that positive thought out there and then just not getting specific about it, just saying, I, it, it, this is going to happen, and now, and now I wait, and I wait for the sign, and I wait for the signs. You gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be observant. You gotta, you gotta connect these things because everything. I'm amazed sometimes at how coincidences, if you want to call them that, are constantly happening. It's like, wait a minute. There's a thread here. There's a thread here. There's a thread here, and it's all about my life. I mean, Pinhead is a culmination of my entire life. It's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm writing some stuff that has to... I mean, I'm trying to get some things on paper so they can be a play or they can be a movie or they can be a web series or whatever um, that have to do with all that. And I want to help people. At the same time, it's like, it's pinhead. I know, yeah. I that's that's amazing, man. You know, it's crazy. It's yeah, that wacky, is amazing. You know? Yeah, you got me thinking. You got me thinking deep here. I talked to... Um, you ever heard of Rob McGregor? I've heard of him, I, but I don't know offhand who he is. Yeah, Rob McGregor, man, know. awesome individual. He wrote, uh, man, like six Indiana Jones books in the early 90s, okay? Oh, my um, God. But since then, you know, like um, I talked with him a couple months back, and I wanted to learn more about him, not just something he did in the 90s, you know? And uh, yeah. he, he's into uh, books on synchronicity. Um, currently. So um, if you ever get a chance, yeah. look up Rob McGregor and look up synchronicity, but it's uh, pretty much meaningful coincidences. You know, the, the people that you yeah. meet, the people that you talk to and how that just influences and it just builds you up and it just, you, you get, again, you get put on a path um, just because you're looking for these meaningful coincidences. Yeah. You just have to have your eyes open. Yeah. So, so awesome, man. But yeah, uh, yeah. can you give us yeah. a basic plot synopsis um, of Hellraiser without, you know, maybe yeah. the back of the box plot synopsis? Absolutely, yeah. There's, um, 
you know, there's the, the 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 original elements are there. You know, the puzzle box, the hell, the the Cenobites, the pain, the pleasure, the, all that stuff. But and that's related to the other story. It's kind of like there's two stories at once. Um, the, there are two brothers. They're both detectives, and they're looking for this crazy serial killer who has some sort of religious code himself, and the punishments. I mean, he sees people who he thinks are sinners, and so it's like the seven deadly sins. It, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's that that it's uh, references the movie Seven, but it's kind of like that. Okay. That he feels that he's not. I don't believe that the uh, the murderer, the serial killer, feels that he is. Um, he's sort of he's judgment. He is judgment. You know, there there it is. Okay, there's there's the title of the movie. He is justice. So these two brothers team up with this female detective, and they're all trying to find this uh, this serial killer whose crimes are very, very creative. I mean, it's there's some stuff in there that's just. I mean, and these are human beings doing things to human beings, and they're like they're as if a Cenobiter is doing them. It's some of this stuff is so crazy. Damn. But um, and then into that somehow some mysterious way that I'm not going to talk about. They are. They're introduced to, you know, the world of, of Pinhead and the Cenobites and the introduction to hell and the puzzle box, of course, is involved. And, but there's a new, there's, it's, it's as if time has, some time has gone by in Pinhead world, in the Cenobite world. Some things have, have occurred that have changed him, that have changed the place where, the plane where he exists. There's just been some... Hmm, how can I put this? Um, there's, well, I, I guess I've, uh, there's sort of some new, some sort of new machination of gathering souls, let's say. That's all I really want to say, though. It's it's very imaginative, and I don't really, but I don't want to give it away. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a major plot point. And I know that Gary would kill me, so I can't. <laughs> no, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And it, but it sounds yeah. it sounds pretty straightforward, though. And I think that's the best. I think sometimes we get a little too crazy with with our horror films. You know, I like something that's that I love, man, is just a just a simple plot that's executed perfectly within that world. You know, yeah. um, I just watched yeah. Clown a couple days ago. I don't know if you've watched that or not. Have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. I love I love good clown horror films and, and I know what it's about the guy turns into a clown and it's I can't wait to see it yeah I my my highest praise for that movie is the simple fact that you know it's it's very simple movie um, but it's right. executed perfectly um, on every yeah. beat you know no no crazy surprises it's just a simple horror film done right it's exploring what happens to this guy what happens when a guy turns into a clown and it affects him and turns him evil? What happens? Well, here's what happens. Yeah, exactly. And then and you that execute on that. alone is just so, oh my God, I want to watch that. Yeah. I want to star in that. Too bad. Someone already did. Hey, cl but, clown too, man. <laughs> clown too. <laughs> okay. So, I say yes. Yeah, you guys have... Was already, huh? <laughs> you have a nice surprise for horror genre fans. Um, uh, Heather Langenkamp is in this film. I know. One that's yeah. 
one that's probably going to screw with some people. <laughs> um, if if Videolanders don't know who Heather Langenkamp is, um, she's famous for playing Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street series. Um, did you have any scenes with her, and what can you tell her, us about her role? Is she just a cameo, or can you say much? Uh, well, kind of a cameo. I did not have any scenes with her. I think she has, she has two or three scenes. I'm not sure. Um, she plays a trash-talking... Um, uh, I hope I'm not, I don't think I'm giving away too much here. I think it's already been out there that she's playing a trash-talking landlady. Oh, fun, um, fun. And the fact that she's trash-talking, just that alone, is like, okay, yay, go Heather. Because, <laughs> you know, in the Nightmare movies, she was just sweet. Yeah, uh, that's awesome, man. Nancy, you know? Yeah, so, that seems like a great role, yeah. too. That's just going to be enough just to get uh, genre fans' attention and be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I saw her. I, I went to Texas Frightmare earlier this year, and she was there. She had a huge line. It was, I don't know if it was the longest line everyone anyone had, because I didn't get around to see all that, but I, I wasn't, like, counting number of people in lines. I wasn't there all day. You know, not everybody is there all day. So you yeah. Know, but anyway, I I didn't want to stand in line. I just wanted to meet her, because I'm like, hey, I would know where's your judgment with you. So I asked one of her, uh, one of her assistants, you know, I'd had some cards made up that I was randomly handing out at the, at the Texas Frightmare thing. And, um, and I, I met her and we chatted a little bit. It was so fun. I mean, she's so cool. And, and she said, get used to it. She's like, welcome to this world. Get used to it. I'm like, I hope so. Cause I like this world. This world is cool. You that, know? that is awesome. Have you, it was, it was great to meet her no that's that's super cool man uh do, have you ever met doug bradley or clive barker i have not but i want to i want to real bad you know i don't i i don't think that doug has anything against me personally i hope not i don't think he's the kind of person who would he's not met me you know but and he knows that i'm just an actor who got a job i hope i get to meet him someday i think we could have a few laughs and and clive barker would just Oh my God! I would wet my pants. <laughs> that that guy's mind is so freaking cool. I can't even. You know, there are certain people where I'm like, I don't know where it's coming from, but I want to, I want to key into that, and I want to talk to you. I mean, his writing is so beautiful. Yeah, his yeah. Art is so disturbing and beautiful. And another thing about Judgment. I mean, when I was watching that trailer, uh, it was beautiful i mean there is blood gushing at one point and i'm like that is so gorgeous it's like this <laughs> waterfall of blood i i mean it wasn't like shining with the elevator because it wasn't that but but i don't know it was just i think the images you know but yeah clyde barker i would just love so much to meet him and Doug. Uh, i i hope you know my my dream is that, that there is a remake with those two involved, Doug plays Pinhead, and I'm in it somewhere. Pinhead <laughs> Jr. Oh, that's stupid. I don't know. <laughs> Pinhead Jr. I don't know. <laughs> that could be so cool, but we'll see. You know, time will tell. Do you None of us are getting any younger. Do you think that uh, he would know you if you were at a horror convention and you're like, you got your picture taken with him? Do you think he would even know? It's possible. That's completely... I mean, there have been, like, headshots from my MPB page or random some really stupid shots too out there that are on the in the in the world of Google etc um, so 
if if he cares enough to have looked at pictures of me, then he might. But generally, I look older than most of us to tell the truth. Um, it's time for some new headshots. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, he probably wouldn't. That'd be fun. But That'd he, be fun just know. to see, it's right? So hard to say, yeah. Just dicking with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I, if I see him at a convention, I will definitely... You know, get an autograph and introduce myself. That's pretty anyway. cool. I uh, I actually have an autographed, um, um, yeah, cube from uh, Doug Bradley. A puzzle box. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that cool. But uh, yeah, I, hope I have one of those someday. Yeah, right on, dude. It is so cool, man. Uh, but what about? Uh, I have a bunch. Huh? Go ahead. Oh, I just was gonna say I have a I have like three of the Nika. Uh, puzzle boxes that you got from collecting the action figures. That's awesome. Or you can't, or you can just, you know, buy the the six pieces alone. I, I've had the one for years, and I took it to the audition actually, along with my pinhead, um, with my pinhead action figure. Silly of me, but I actually <laughs> used it for my slate at the end of my audition. Oh, that's the casting awesome. director said, you can hold that puzzle box during your audition if you want to. And I thought, no, that's just going to distract me because I didn't rehearse it that way. So That's awesome. Anyway, it's pretty, I mean, I've, I've collected this the, the toys for, I have them all. Anyway, it's crazy. Did you uh, take anything from the set? I did not. I didn't take a damn thing. Oh, I, man. I was, you know, I, I pictures. Pictures that I can't share. Pictures <laughs> that I can't share. But um, I didn't even get a pin. And Damn. I know Gary's gonna send me send me some, but I'm still waiting. Oh um, man! You know, and and the makeup was the makeups were taken off of me very carefully at the end of every day I shot, and and um, carefully packed away and probably carefully sold. I don't know. Put in case encased in something. I don't know, you know, it's movie memorabilia, so it's potentially worth a lot of money. And so, uh, no, I was not given any items, and I didn't, I should have just taken a pin, for God's sake. Yeah. I didn't even take one well, of how does, how does I that, wasn't thinking in that way. How does that even work, man? Because, like, you would automatically assume someone's playing Pinhead, or someone's playing Jason, or Michael Myers. They, You would think it's in their contract that you just get the machete, or you just get the, the cube, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when you're, I mean, in in the in the ninety nine percent of the world, I'm a I'm a nobody. You know, I'm a nobody uh-huh. actor getting this role. So really, I have. It's like Dorothy. There was a. It's like you, you have no power here. That's what I'm trying to get. Yeah, at. yeah. <laughs> I had no power. I was so grateful for the role, and my agent didn't. I don't think she even tried to negotiate for more money. Yeah. She tried to negotiate for better billing. Um. And did get that, which is great. Good. But uh, not quite the billing that we wanted, but almost. So that that's a good thing. Um, so Hellraiser eleven that, Hellraiser eleven, uh, you get the you get the hot tub and you get the tour bus and the hey, cube, right? If I'm in Hellraiser oh God, from <laughs> your lips to God's ears. Jesus, that's that's something I that's something I meditate on every day. I'm like Okay, Hellraiser 10, 2019, Paul T. Taylor as Pinhead. Come on, come on, make it happen. That's awesome, man. If if I can do a second Hellraiser, then I'm in there, you know? Yeah, for sure. I I mean, that's, I guess that's, that's a pretty, uh, 
reasonable thing to assume. And, you know, I was told some things by the producer and, and the, uh, some things were said to me while I was shooting that were very positive and maybe pointed in that direction. But, but no, you know, it's people saying things. You never know until you actually get an offer, until there's a script in front of you, until somebody else says no so you can say yes, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, right on. What about um, Pinhead has always been the face of the franchise, but he's always yeah. had the scary Cenobites to you know help support him. What can you tell us about yeah. any of the new characters? Um, I know that there's the Surgeon and the Butcher. Um, are they Cenobites? Yeah. Um, I don't think they're Cenobites. Okay. Um, I was not on the set with them. I've only seen the pictures that uh, that other people who've seen pictures on online have seen. I. As far as I know, from everything I've read, I don't think they're Cenobites. I think they are more like part of the processing um, of the horrible humans. They're part of the process of turning people possibly into Cenobites. Or I don't, you know, it's it's hard to say. I think they all have to do with the efficiency of hell. Okay. Um, I don't want to say it's like office space. This is what I said. Um, in, a, in a humorous way but it's not because there is very little humor in this film um, which I'm actually glad about I so so Pinhead's not telling all. jokes this time? nope <laughs> and I like that yeah. I like it I, I'm I'm extremely the way the script is written Pinhead doesn't have any opportunities to be funny I mean he might find something humorous but it's not like he's not making pithy remarks He's not, well, he's not, it's not, it's not Hellraiser 3. Let's just say it's not Hellraiser 3. So he 3. doesn't chain up Which somebody, he doesn't, no, he doesn't chain up somebody with chains and then he's like, how's it hanging? Yeah, yeah. Okay. How's it hanging? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there are some, there are some great lines that are new that I hope, you know, become part of the lexicon of the Hellraiser world. But, oh, cool. Um, I can't remember a single one from Revelations. I have no idea what any of those lines were, but. I'm hoping that there's at least one or two from this one. Um, what was the question? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the surgeon and the butcher. The um, I can tell you that, uh, you know, Ch- Chatterer, the Chatterer is there. Okay. Chatterer is, is in the movie. Um, but as far as, we have the surgeon, we have the butcher, we have the jury, which is actually Ooh. three females. Oh, it's, it's creepy. It's so bizarre, and um, you know, I gotta say something know. real quick, man, to video landers out there. I've seen some um, just the photos of the makeup, you and I believe um, the the pictures that I've seen is uh, the surgeon, the butcher, and I think I've seen the auditor, which we'll get on next. But yeah, they look pretty badass, man. They, I know, I know, they're freaking dark, grimy, filthy, gross. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. It, this could be a black and white film. It's like, it's like, uh, it, well, you know, I wasn't there when Gary had the conversation with, uh, with the wine, with Harvey Weinstein. I think it was Harvey. One of the Weinsteins are, who said, I love this film. It's like Fellini. It's like Cronenberg. I'm like, yes, that's exactly. I mean, I relate Fellini and Cronenberg to Barker. Definitely. It's that, it's that nasty, bloody unwashed 
world. That's and, awesome. You know, it, it's it, it could be a, even sepia toned movie would be cool. Sepia with splashes of red would be cool. Or um, let's do it like Sin City with yellow blood. No, I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> anyway, I, I think that uh, it's going to be, I don't know, just, uh, I forgot where I was going. I'm going to stop drinking now <laughs> for a moment. <laughs> so what about The Auditor, man? What can you tell us about that? Well, I can't, I, um, he's kind of a big secret, even though the, the, the even though, I mean, the actor who played him doesn't want to doesn't want to be. Uh, he he. I think he has it in his contract. I'm not even sure. Okay. I mean, he wore his sunglasses the whole time, the whole shoot. I, you know, it's crazy. So is it, is it someone that genre fans will know, or they'll be excited about? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Yes, it is. Awesome. Yeah. Um, he is sort of. He's a processor of sorts. He, he's, he's kind of the brains. He's, he's not, I mean, he's not smarter than Pinhead because no one in hell is smarter than Pinhead. But, but, uh, but he's, and he's not an equal leader because Pinhead doesn't have any, but he is someone who can talk to Pinhead. Oh. And they work towards the same goals. That sounds so fun. So it's kind of cool. It's this new element. And you know how superior Pinhead was in the, with, with, I mean, there was a female Cenobite who was so cool in the first and second movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love her so much. But she was the only other Cenobite who spoke. And I can't even tell you for sure if the auditor is a Cenobite. I'm not sure myself. Um, he may be. Now, because I'm, I'm not, now I'm not, I'm not trying to get this out of you, okay? So I'm not, I'm not going that far, but is the auditor... The person who's playing him is he at least as big as uh, to genre fans as Heather Langenkamp? I don't know. I I, I, don't, I, I don't know that I want to answer that. Okay, okay. I'll I will, I'll stop uh, poking and prodding then. You got me. I mean, cu- I would, you have I would me curious to though. I would love to just say, "Oh yeah, man, he's even bigger." But I actually don't. <laughs> it's really Steve Martin. I know. It's Steve Martin. <laughs> it's Martin Short. It's Martin Short. <laughs> Martin Short. Just <laughs> that's great uh, okay well we'll just get off the auditor just so I don't get you in trouble <laughs> okay no it's cool I wouldn't be in trouble for anything I've said so far right on so let's talk about Pinhead now there okay. have been a few stories printed about Doug Bradley not wanting to sign a non-disclosure agreement to return to the Pinhead role um, the yeah. interviews that I've seen with him, he seems very kind of agitated. Um, do you know anything about that? Opinions, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's it, the only the only sides of the story I've heard are his and Gary's, and so I, I wasn't there. I didn't hear their conversations. I didn't see the twenty-page non-disclosure agreement or whatever it was. However many pages Doug said it was. Um, I. I don't know what's behind him not doing the film besides what I've been told. I, I, can, I can guess, I can make guesses that there may be more to it, but he said himself that maybe they didn't want me in this movie in the first place. Now, I don't think that would ever happen, personally. I think that to not have, to not have Doug when you could have Doug is crazy. It's crazy not to have him if you could. 
At the same time, it also, I believe, might have to do with the budget. I mean, there hasn't been a big budget. None of the Hellraiser films have been big budget films. I mean, they've been million dollar or three million dollar films, but those were in the 80s and the early 90s. There hasn't been a big budget film since the fourth one. And, yeah. and you know, and and I think the budgets have have declined over the years. Now, fortunately, Judgment is a bigger budget than Revelations, and I don't know the budget of any of the others that were direct to video um, sequels. But I, I wonder if that might have had something to do with it. I, I wonder if looking at the script, knowing what they wanted to do with the script, but knowing also that. There was there's a there are a few scenes of Pinhead and then a really big one as well. Fortunately, thank you, Jesus. Um, there's <laughs> a really big Pinhead scene. Um, maybe they thought it would just be too expensive, but that's only my thinking. I don't know for sure. Okay. Um, I I really I I I uh, I know non-disclosure agreements are you know they happen in the movie world all the time. I have been, I was told that, uh, that when Doug read the scripture revelations, he said no to it. It may have had everything to do with the script or it may have had to do with the budget. The budget was even lower for that than for judgment. So there's, I don't think the whole truth is ever really told. It's the things that we don't say that are the lies and uh, possibly, you know, I don't know, but uh, you know, I, <laughs> have I said too much? No, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know if we know everything behind it. My feeling is, though, that looking at the script, there was a certain budget for it, and they wanted to be able to do what was in the script really well, and that may have, that may have occurred in someone's mind. Well, if we can get a pinhead who's not really expensive, then we can put all the money into the whole movie rather than just having Doug Bradley in the film. But that's again, that's all my speculation. Own yeah, projection. I have no idea because I have not been told anything besides uh, what we've read, what we've all read in the in the interviews and things that Doug has said and things that Gary has said in uh, online. You know, okay. so I don't know anything else. I I wonder too. Also, if Doug's just kind of, you know, he's like, you know, I've done eight of these, and they weren't all great. They weren't all great. Um, some of them were great, but they weren't all great. And the ones that weren't great were the ones where they weren't really Hellraiser movies, where they just said. We got to put Doug on the poster. We got to get Doug on the DVD. We got to get Doug a few scenes and pay him whatever this much amount, this much is. But the movie wasn't originally Hellraiser. Movie. We'll just put these elements into it that are from Hellraiser and use Pinhead as our poster child and sell the movie that way. And that's horrible that that can happen, but it happens. And it's not just Hellraiser that's happened with, but it's. You got to, I guess, you know, if you have a franchise, you want to keep it going and you want to make as much money as possible, as cheaply as possible. Uh, and then there's the art, you know, and that's a completely different story. It's like if we could all just do art the best we, best way we wanted to with as much with as much money as we needed, that uh, would be a wonderful world, but we don't live in that world. So, you know, it's a business 
So I, I think it came down to business. I really do. But other than that, I don't know anything. And you know what, man? It's like we, we hit on it briefly, but let's talk about it. How did you, out of everybody, 7 billion people on this planet, get the role of Pinhead? <laughs> well, okay, this movie shot in Oklahoma City, okay? okay. At least most of it. The, the, the set was so cool, but it was downtown. It was Oklahoma City. I live in Dallas, Texas. The casting director is in Oklahoma City. The casting director, who I have a wonderful relationship with, casting in films and commercials before, sends this email to my agent who sends it on to me. I'm included in this group email about, we want Paul to look at the role of the auditor, and then this person for this role, this person for this role, this person for this role. Chris will be down, Chris is the casting director, Chris will be down in such and such a date, it was four days later, and um, for, to put us on tape for the auditions, for the initial auditions. So great, I read it, and I'm like, the first line I read is something about, something about, uh, what was it? Um, God, well, I can't remember this, it's a classic Hellraiser. <laughs> I read a line, and I'm like, this is a Hellraiser film. I mean, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't, the title of the movie was this judgment. It's a horror movie, you know, whatever. They didn't want anyone to know. So I read this first line that this character has, and I'm like, this is a Hellraiser movie. Oh my God, I want to do this. So I'm reading the part, I'm reading the part, I'm like, this is going to take a lot of work, but I have four days, I'm going to, I can nail this guy, this is the perfect part for me. Then I get my own personal email saying, we'd also like to put Paul Taylor on, on tape for the role of Pinhead. I'm like, what? Jeez. There's no fucking way I'm ever going to get the role <laughs> of Pinhead. And for a while I was like, it's a why, this is a waste of my time, this is stupid, I'm the auditor, this is dumb, blah, 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 blah. And then finally... I mean, just minutes later, it went, Paul, what have you been doing for the last six months? You've been on your elliptical machine trying to manifest these wonderful things to happen to you and your career. Look at this opportunity. I'm like, I am going to go in there. I have four days, which is unusual. Most usually you have like a day or two to get off book, to go in there to nail an audition. And it's, you know, it's a real challenge every time. Sometimes you have one day or less than a day to get in get in there on tape. And, Damn. Uh, it's such a challenge. But four days I had to learn this side, these two sides, plus the two sides for the auditor. Go in there, have two different distinct characters and nail it. And I'm like, I am gonna nail this. This is my opportunity. Uh, this a horror film. A pinhead, a Hellraiser film in Oklahoma City? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. This is an opportunity. So I decided that I would give it everything I had. I was doing a play at the time, and I had to be on stage almost all the time, but fortunately, I didn't have a lot of scene time. I just had to be on stage on the side. We were in these very on these very uncomfortable benches facing away from the action when we weren't involved in a scene. The play called Martyr. Interestingly enough, I was playing a priest. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, the, threads, wow. the threads are wild. <laughs> but I was playing a priest. And, uh, uh, and my prop that I chose to have while I was sitting there was a Bible. I'm like, I'm going to bring my dad's Bible. I'm going to be reading the Bible because I'm a man who's, you know, blah, 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 of the church. So I type out these sides, and I have the sides, print, and I print them out, and while I'm while I'm waiting for my scenes, I mean, for, what I'm getting at is, for days, all I did was study those lines, study them, study them, study them, because I knew I couldn't 
have them in my hand. I could not, I had to be so sure of this that I could then go in there and be these characters. And I, I, it was, I gave it everything I had. And I don't always do that because sometimes I don't really care. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. as an actor, you read a script and it's like, this is badly written. This is hard to memorize. This is <laughs> stupid. You know, whatever. But, but this was like, this is so important. I have said for years, for years I wanted to be in a horror film. And I've been in a couple that were way low budget, that were, you know, local, or they, or, or maybe Oklahoma. Actually, I was in a great film in Oklahoma called The Gray Man, which was about um, the serial killer, uh, the guy who, one of the characters who Hannibal Lecter was based on. Anyway, he was based on so many. Um, anyway, I'm getting off track. No, so fine. I go in there, and I, I'm wearing my earplugs, so no one in the... No one outside of the audition room can listen to me, and I'm just like, I am ready. And I go in there, and I just freaking nailed it. I nailed it. And, and then I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew that this was good. And he had me, Chris had me hold my hold my, my puzzle box for my action figure. He said, do you want to hold that for the audition? I said, no, I didn't rehearse. Anyway, I'm repeating myself now. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Did you, uh, yeah. can you give us a line or anything that you had you had to, you know, say in front of them? Um, in a world. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, what? Well, I mean, there's this great line, which is just, no, wait, that wasn't in the line. That was just something we added to the trailer. Never mind. Uh, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um, let's see. How dare you? What is it? How dare you? How dare you speak of suffering? You who... I cannot remember anything right now. <laughs> That's awesome. It's on the spot, dude. So, were you... I can't remember anything right now. And my voice was much lower at the time. Oh, I've dude, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, put, I'm totally I'm putting you on the spot, cigarette. dude. I'm totally putting you on the spot. Uh, That's horrible of me. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, other people have done that. And usually, if I'm alone, and I just I can just start saying it. Because <laughs> I practiced, after I got the part, I just... I practiced it every day, every night. I would just be... If I was home, I'd just be in my house. and just be like, turn off the lights, say the lines walk to the store to get cigarettes. I'm just saying the lines the whole time. It was like living in that world. It was so fun. Dude, that's how, was there anybody else um, that was like close to getting the role or were you like the only choice? Did you blow them I away? I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I was, I got um, some messages that I was, I mean, I have heard that, uh, that the studio wanted to hire an LA actor. I heard that in hindsight. I heard that later. But while it was happening, while the process of casting was going on, I did hear from the casting director that I was the director's first choice. I was the producer's. One one of the two, one, you know, the Weinsteins are brothers, and one of them had seen it, but the other had not. I think Harvey had seen it, and Bob had not, or other way around, because one of them was at Cannes Film Festival, and he wasn't around to see it. But it needed producer approval. It needed the producer approval of that one person, but I was everybody else in the studio's first choice. I was like, God, this has got to, if this doesn't happen, I, it's going to be, it's devastating, typical yeah. heartbreak of show business. I mean, I've been up for roles before where it's like, yep, you're everybody's first choice. 
so you're not going to get it. Then <laughs> somebody comes in and goes, nope, we're going to hire my nephew or whatever, yeah. you know. Show business sucks that way. But, yeah, it, it's uh, mind-blowing, too, because you would think that as, as a, you know, all the horror movies that are made every year, um, you know, Jason, Michael Myers, Chucky, whatever, right? You would think that someone would probably already have a pinhead picked out, you know? You know, like there would be an yeah. ABC. Like you wouldn't even have to go to the casting, you know? Like yeah. you would just you would just probably do it because you have to. I don't know, you know, whatever. But you would think that they already have that lined up. You know, that's just wild yeah. that they don't. You know, that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I, you know, and I got in on the, earlier part of the audition process and I, I you know I, I I don't know of course I don't know who else they saw but I think that part of my part of the reason I got it was my enthusiasm for the project I mean I, that and I, the casting director told me later he said you have no idea how much that really does play into this business well wow. I mean if, if you want to do you can be there are a lot of people who could play the role there are a lot of people who could play pinhead any actor can be replaced. Anybody. Meryl Streep can be replaced. Because it's not about talent. Although, I mean, Meryl Streep, come on. But, I mean, <laughs> Kate Blanchett, people like that. I'm like, do they have any peers? I don't yeah, know. right. But, but they do. The fact of the matter is they do. They These other famous just these other people just aren't famous. They didn't get that break. Or they didn't have the circumstances or whatever. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I lucked out. I'm the one. You know, I was the one. That, that's so, super cool, man. Why. And yeah, that excitement is awesome, though, because, you know, like just talking to you tonight, I'm like, dude, this is so badass. I'm super, I'm like double excited now. I'm like, dude, this guy's so oh, excited. On. I'm super excited. And I hope that everyone's let's listen. It's like, fuck yeah, let's go watch this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, And I want, I want to tap into this voice a little bit more because like uh, Doug Bradley yeah. has a very scary voice. Did you try to mimic that? Um. I didn't try to mimic it so much, but I mean, obviously, Pinhead had that of a British accent, so I affected my best King's English and did the entire thing. I did the, my auditor audition, one of my takes, the same way. I'm like, it's Hellraiser. It's British to begin with. It's, you know, if Pinhead's not English, then come on. Yeah. It, it, there's a certain... There are certain things you have to do as Pinhead, and I just think, because of Doug Bradley, that's one of them. And obviously, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an American from Kansas, so you know, I, I happen to have a good British accent. Thank God, there aren't many dialects I can do, but that's one I can do. But um, as far as the voice goes, uh, having seen the, I mean, I was worried about that when I was working on it. When I was after I got the part, even I was still worried about it. I'm like, they're going to want a certain voice, and then I thought, you know what, Paul? There's all kinds of effects. There's all kinds of things they can do. Just Please, God, don't dub me. And I, I I, know they didn't dub me. I think they might have dubbed the guy in Revelations. I'm not sure, but I think they did, actually. Um, didn't help. Anyway, oh, that was awful. I mean, I mean. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, I've seen Doug Bradley in other films and in other movies where he's not Pinhead and he really doesn't have that scary of a voice, but he's got the same character. It's kind of like, I think what they do in the studio, somehow they they take the basic, you still have the flavor of your voice and your delivery and everything, intonation, everything behind it, but they, I don't know if they slow down the vibration of it or what, but I, when I saw the, uh, the trailer that I was in and heard the few lines that I speak in the trailer, 
it was like, oh my God, it's me, but scarier. You know, it, they do something. Um, I'm not saying I wasn't scary, because I can be scary as shit, but, but, I mean, obviously, you hear my voice right now, and I'm like, who is this guy? I'm this youthful, kind of, <laughs> kind of a dork, but um, I have a dark side, and I love to go there, you know? So, anyway, I, I eventually stopped worrying about the voice, although there was a time when I was screaming into my pillow every morning to try to get it all down there, and, and I was smoking cigarettes and all that stuff that's so brilliant to do um <laughs> but uh then gary was like don't worry about it don't worry about it don't worry about it okay i won't worry about it because we talked a lot before we ever actually met we talked a lot on the phone and of course we'd seen each other when i went out there uh to get my my head cast done for the makeup so cool that's all and there's not there's not very many 80s monster movies you know that talk you know you have what freddy chucky yeah. are you are you yeah. worried about any kind of fan reaction because i mean i know uh we talked british there for a second a lot of people yeah. don't know this in the states but you know like hellraiser is a british film you know it's like yeah they, they yeah. love that shit so are yeah. are you worried about fan backlash being like hey this guy isn't even british or the way that you per, uh, that you you know, portray pinhead because that has to be very psychological. Are you afraid of any uh, of that yeah. powerful fan reaction? I'm really not. Good, I'm not, good. I'm not really afraid of it at all. I mean, I, because I have nothing to lose. I, I got a part, you know, I auditioned for a role, I got it. I'm prepared. I, I was prepared. To, obviously, we've talked about that. I was prepared for the audition. I'm just so excited to be this pinhead that, you know, I know that people can be mean, and people have already been, people have already, you know, the fanboys, some of them are pretty crazy, and they've, you know, had things to say, and there's no other pinhead but like Bradley, and I'm like, yeah, well, you can think that way, but the fact of the matter, like I said before, anyone can be replaced. Uh -huh. In show business, actors are a dime a dozen. I mean, anyone can do it as well or better than you can or different than you can, but still really good. So, uh, I'm, I know that, you know, there's a, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to relate. <clears throat> I don't want to insult. Okay. I'm just gonna say, I don't want to insult anyone, but if someone sees the film and then has something to say about it, that is a, rational, uh, rational, what is that word? That is a <laughs> rational, um, you know, thoughtful, unbiased, I mean, it can be, of course it's not going to be unbiased, because we all have, we can't help but have this history with Hellraiser if we're a real fan. Um, if they have negative things to say about it then, after they've seen it, that's, you know, that's okay. You know, everybody gets bad reviews. I've, I've got... <laughs> Like I said, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've gotten a lot of really good reviews. I've, really, I've gotten some glowing reviews, and I've gotten some really bad reviews. I've gotten skating reviews, mostly for my theater work, because I've never, I've played, I don't even know if there's ever been a film review where I've been mentioned before. So I, this is going to be something new. Um, but I, but I, I'm used to bad reviews. I'm more used to good reviews, and they do hurt. But I've gotten to this point in my life where, you know, an actor, 35 years being an actor, you're going into it knowing you're going to be you're going to get some form of rejection. Your entire life is full of rejection, 
and you have to have a tough skin. So I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. It's like, I mean, I can be childish too. I can just go, well, I'm pinhead and you're not. Nah, nah, nah. You know, I, it, it's, it's, it's a role that I'm playing and I got to play it. And, and so I hope, I hope fans like it. If they, if, but, but afraid, I'm not afraid of the reaction. That's good. Um, I hope they like it. I hope I don't become some, you know, pariah in the hor- on the horror scene where people are joking about me behind my back, but hopefully only behind my back. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think even if some people love it, some people are, have already decided they're going to hate it because I'm not Doug Bradley. And that's their prerogative. They can do whatever they want with their energies or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Well, I want to talk because um, I, I want to talk about I want to talk about the fanboys for a second. We brought them up briefly okay. there. Um, there's a there's a article at Dread Central. Um, I believe mm-hmm. you've read it. It's a why ingrate fanboys need to let go of territorialism. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Gary Gary had, had let me know before it came out. He said, "Yeah, we're not going to put anything else out about judgment and read this article, and you'll know why." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> what do you What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I read it. Um. I think I think uh, there's a certain validity to it. I, I think that the because it wasn't just about Hellraiser Judgment; it was about um, all, all kinds of different movies and and different takes on these loved franchises. Um, but at the same time, I do feel that people got their feelings hurt, and that's kind of also part of the reason that the article was put out. So. Um, I, I, I think it's, it's too bad that that decision was made, but at the same time in that article, he did, that, that is where I got that quote from, you know, Harvey and whichever Weinstein said, it's Fellini, it's Cronenberg, and they loved it. You know, I think that, um, that that's, that it's, it's great that they did at least put something positive in that review, but as far as the fanboys go, I, I don't know. You know, there's there are really brilliant, intelligent people who I'd like to talk to who are huge fanboys of Hellraiser, and then there are some really not-so-intelligent people who are also vehement fans of Hellraiser. And I can't help that. There's this, that you can either be a logical, rational human being, or you can be insane. Yeah, in that's, that's so true. Yeah, like I like that. You can you can have your territory, but if if something good comes along, accept it for good. Yeah, and look at look for the good in it. Look for the fact that that someone is trying to make a good Hellraiser film. You know, and that's kind of the bottom line. So if the so if the fanboys are like Doug Bradley, I want Doug Bradley. I want Doug Bradley. I mean, we've all been there. We all have our shows or our movies that we we love, but. But yeah. if Paul Taylor kicks this role's ass, <laughs> then you need to just calm down and accept it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope I. You know, it is a tall order. You know, it's not. It's not. It's uh. It's it's tough. Um. It's it's. You know, it is big shoes to fill. Definitely. Big time. But yeah. I'm. It's not like you're There's putting a hockey so mask on, right? Worry about that. It's not uh, like you're putting a hockey mask on, you know? Exactly. 
Exactly, it's your face, sort of, with, with a bunch of foam latex glued to it, but still, it's your face. Now, were you a horror fan growing up? Because you said that you Huge. wanted to be in a horror film before, so were you yeah. a, a fan of the original uh, the Hellraiser films? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I mean, I saw the first one in 1987, and it was, I'd never seen anything like it before, particularly the hooks in the flesh, just, just so graphic, so in your face. And then the ripping off the skin, the special effects of Frank coming back to life, all of that stuff was so brilliant, and I'd never seen it. Maybe, you know, maybe the thing was kind of related to that sort of transforma- transformative. All of that real effects stuff in the 80s was so cool. And in the Hellraiser film, it was so well done. And the story itself was, I loved the story, this, the story of this, this, um, horrible wife, this horrible adulterous wife who who brings her lover, who's the brother of her husband, back to life so that she can have sex with them and, and, and then they kill her. Uh, it's just, yeah, it was a trip. And the whole, and the first time that Pinhead walked out and all the Cenobites, it was just like I want to be those people. I, th- I want <laughs> to be those actors. I mean, back then I wanted that. But I didn't, I had no idea how small the world was back then. I was a little, I I wasn't a little kid, I was a certain age, I was a a very young adult. Growing up, I was still in, I was either in Kansas or Texas, and I was, you know, I didn't know, I'd only ever done theater, so I had no idea that something like that could happen, but yeah, I love horror films, I've always loved them, I wasn't allowed to see a lot of them when I was a kid. Um, I did get to see Jaws in the theater, freaked, I mean, That's I couldn't cool. swim for, like many people, I could not swim for probably that entire summer. In the swimming pool, I couldn't swim across the deep end, and it wasn't dark. It was, you know, that did a lot, that did bad things to a lot of people, especially kids, I think. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, I wasn't allowed to see The Exorcist, but I did read the book, um, loved it so much. I mean, I'm, yeah, ha- Halloween, not the film, although I, God, I love the film, but just the whole world of the, that is in the spirit of Halloween, the holiday. I love that world. I've always loved that world. It's always been my favorite holiday. I love being a monster. Um, I love scaring people uh, because behind all that, I'm really just kind of a funny um, nerd who just, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm really a kid at heart. I'm totally... I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I'm older than I sound, and I'm older than I look. But, uh, <laughs> I, um, I am such a kid at heart. Halloween, you know, yeah, horror films, love them. Love the, love, I love to be scared. I mean, in my DVD collection, the only ones, and I've heard a lot of people were like this, the only movies that I ever buy, not only, but mostly, are horror films. It's like I have a library of horror films. I have other things too, but things that I actually buy on DVD because I want to have the DVD. Most of them are horror films, and I don't know why. Because I love comedies, I love dramas, I love documentaries, I love all of it. I love cinema. I think it's fun to be but scared, and especially the practical effects, man. Eighties movies, man. They just they were in a in a time of their own. 
I know, and I, I, I love it when, I mean, and the effects in Judgment are practical effects. And oh, sweet. I love it when a horror movie is, oh, and, and have you seen um, The Hallow? No, I actually, yeah, yes, I have, I have, I have. I watched it on demand. With, with those puppets, and oh my God. Yeah, those, yeah. Those, I love, I love real effects. I just love them. Yeah, one of my favorite movies. Actually, you brought up The Thing. Uh, we have a Pantheon AV. Um, we just started our website this year. Uh, we've been going for almost two, but we just started our uh, AV Pantheon. And uh, we have nine members on the council. We uh, pick a movie every three weeks, and uh, we, we write 500 words um, or less. Or fi- yeah, 500 words um, on our, the movie that we're talking about for the week. And uh, we have to have two-thirds majority vote, um, yes, for it to get in. And uh, the thing just made it, um, and so did Fright Night. And you're talking about the the remit, the John Carpenter, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, such a good movie, man. And uh, I'm a huge I fan know. of. I'm a, such a I'm a big fan of Fright Night, man. I don't know where your opinion is on that, but Fright Night is fun. It's fun. It's just freaking fun. I love vampires. I love them. You know, I just I love vampires, werewolves, all of it. Classic monsters. I can't get enough good vampire movies or good zombie movies, but zombie movies are kind of, you know, they've had their decade or whatever. Now it's hard to find a good one, it seems like, but... but Everything's reciprocal, vampire, man. It'll, it'll return. It'll return, yeah, yeah. There there are some really good ones out there from from past years. So but what is the name of your... Uh, on wait. your website? Adventuresinvideoland.com Yeah, oh yeah, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll check it out. Yeah, dude, it's cool. Right now, like, you know, I get a lot of, I get a lot of remarks, you know, it's funny, it's like, man, you only have, like, six movies in your pantheon, but we take three weeks to watch a movie. Right now, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 um, are up for pantheon consideration, so we're, uh, Those are fun. Yeah, yeah, so we're in a, you know, we go into a closed forum, we talk for three weeks, um, we write up our reviews that have to be 500 words long, and, uh, you know, we just did Enter the Dragon, you know, uh, that was our last mm-hmm. one. And uh, then we spilled them out to the uh, to the Facebook page, and uh, we we take a lot of hell for sure <laughs> for the movies that don't make it. Uh, but it, it's been fun. It's been fun. What about your uh, the uh, oh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, bias to the side. What's your favorite '80s horror franchise? <laughs> um, I think that my '80s horror. I think that would have to be Halloween. Okay, I just. You know, I, I I could lie and say, oh, Hellraiser, man, of course, it's Hellraiser, but <laughs> that would be a lie. Um, that that first Halloween especially, and I don't mean the, the remakes, I'm not caring for those much. But, yeah, me either. Um, yeah, the, the gore porn, don't need it. Yeah, I'm don't not a big fan Rob of torture Zombie porn. In, I don't need Rob but, Zombie in my life. But Rob Zombie me. torture porn. Yeah, we're talking about Hellraiser. I'm like, I'm not into torture porn. Yeah, I know, isn't that funny? I, <laughs> I mean, know, that's weird. I mean, Hellraiser is, in a way, torture porn, but it's different than that. It's not <laughs> just about the sound of the knife turning the flesh into hamburger, you know? Yeah, it, it just gets too that. too dark, man. And I'm, no, it's too much. Yeah. No humor whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's not fun. No it's not fun. No imagination, you know? There's no plot. I know. It's, you know, I can't stand it. I had to turn off Halloween, too. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> but but the original Halloween and Halloween two, uh, the original ones oh my god especially the first one there is so little blood in that movie and yeah. so much suspense and it's terrifying and it's a simple it's a guy in a jumpsuit 
uh, walking around it with a mask and a knife. And it's just terrifying. And that soundtrack. John oh, Carpenter my God. Sound, so it's good. Just, oh, it's so good. It's you, so good. You know, what, you know what I get sick of? I get sick of, like, now, 2016, they want to take these franchises and they want to put, like, Jason in a mask. They want to put Michael Myers as a kid. They want them just stabbing animals and beating off in a chair. You know? Nah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like, why you got to do that? You know, that's what is that your idea of tormented? It's like they take the textbook of tormented, you know, or demented, yeah. and it's like, here, we're going to run with this. I'm like, I don't want to see another serial killer just killing his parents, beating off in a corner. They even did that with the Gus Van Sant psycho, you know? It's like, Jesus, yeah, it's, man, just calm the hell down. I just don't think it's entertainment. Um, it's, I mean, there has to be a certain amount of entertainment to a movie, even if it's full of horror, horrible people. It's, you know, the gore porn, the horror porn is a substitute for good writing and good storytelling. So, you know, it's, it is crazy. It's crazy. Well, let me read an article real quick from MovieWeb. Uh, now, this is pretty fun. I'm, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this, okay? Okay. okay. So, so he, you, Paul Taylor, is a yeah. classically trained stage and film actor. <laughs> who, <laughs> so, a classically trained stage and film actor who brings a great physical presence and more than a hint of Peter Cushing and Ralph Fiennes. That's a tall order. What's your opinion? I don't even know who said that. I see it on MovieWeb, but I love that. I had to, I had to bring that up to you. <laughs> you got to well, love it, though, all, right? First of all, flattering um so flatter so very flattering you know i can only hope and wish but um yeah the the the, the i don't even know you know who said that do you even know who said that no gary gary said that okay i thought so i thought so that. but it wasn't for sure yeah um yeah and the first time i read it i'm like Oh my God! What are you say? What are you doing to me, Gary? Um, you know, That's so hilarious. It's, if it's true, you know, if it's all true, it's wonderful, wonderful to know. But um, you know, I don't have the careers yet. But but you know, it's it's funny because when I was when I went out there to uh, to Hollywood to get my head cast done, as I've mentioned before, and. And Gary did the head casting for the makeup. He had me watch this scene from Star Wars, and it was Peter Cushing. Oh, cool. And, uh, you know, on, on the, oh, God, which was it? The Death Star? Yeah, yeah. He's on the Death Star, and he's making Princess Leia choose. Yeah, that's awesome. Which planet for him to, to blow up. And um, and then he tricks her into, he, he, I think he says he's not, okay, I won't blow up either if you'll give me this information. And so she gives him the information, and he says, okay, destroy this one. And she's like, no. And he very simply just says, you'll fall too trusting. And Gary was like, right there, that line right there, that's your pinhead. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it was, it was interesting because it really worked. That's awesome. When I was on the set, his, his direction for me, more than anything was, just throw it away just throw it away, just throw it away. And, you know, of course he meant you're a theater actor, but you're scary as shit, you're pinhead, you don't have to try, you're, you don't have to act scary, you're terrifying already. 
I mean, especially, you know, we saw Revelations. We know what it's like when a person in pinhead makeup overacts. We, we see what, that, <laughs> what happens when you buck your eyes out. And um, I'm sorry, Stephen, buddy, buddy, whatever your name is, I'm sorry <laughs> to be saying that kind of, but, but that someone didn't, some director didn't say, don't do that. Yeah, you know, yeah, don't do that. that. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. It wasn't, it's never the actor's fault. I'm convinced of that. It's never the actor's fault. I didn't cast me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, the, and the Ray Fiennes thing, I don't know about that. You yeah. know, I mean, Schindler's List, really? really? Well, it was so funny, okay. dude. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but I was watching, uh, whenever I do an interview, um, sometimes it takes me a while to get around to, to talking to the person because I want to live and breathe that world for an entire week. You know, so right. I can get into the mind frame. I just came off of Star Wars, and uh, so I just dived into Hellraiser, Hellraiser, everything. I was watching uh, some interviews. Um, I was uh, I was looking at Doug Bradley, and it was so funny. Someone asked Doug Bradley in an interview. Um, I forget exactly where I found it. Um, it probably it's probably not too hard because it's a recent interview. They asked him what they thought of you know uh, Paul Taylor jumping into the into the role. If if they if they if he thought that you would do a good job, and you know what his reply was? No. Um, well, I heard he's, uh, kind of like Peter Cushing and Ralph Fiennes, so I'm sure he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it cracked me up. That means I have to be, doesn't it? Yeah, it was just so funny, though, because he's like, sounds like they found a Peter Cushing or Ralph Fiennes, so I'm sure he'll be just fantastic. And I'm like, oh, that's just, uh, just yeah. funny. That's a- I have a feeling there may have been a little sarcasm there. I yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. mm. So it, it's interesting, it, though, because I've been I've read a few Doug Bradley interviews, just him himself, and and his and his favorite horror actor is Peter Cushing. So oh, that's wow. kind of wacky, you know. That's I don't know. That's wacky. So, <laughs> so I've heard that your pinhead is described as a little meaner and a little leaner. Um, I've heard your pinhead described yeah. as the badass version of Pinhead. I don't even that that scares the shit out of me. By the way. And uh, the badass version of Pinhead, and that you give the character an icy demeanor. So, what makes your Pinhead leaner, meaner, and more badass than Doug Bradley's? Well, first of all, the, the leaner and the meaner, I don't remember. I think one person said that, and then the badass, icy demeanor was said by a badass. Somebody on the crew said that while we were filming it. You know, and I didn't know that. I didn't read any of that stuff until way later after I'd come back home to Dallas. And, and, <laughs> like, uh, I think I think the leaner and the meaner. Well, the meaner anyway has to do with the script. Okay. There's really no there's really no room, as I said before, for humor. There's Pinhead's just kind of over it this time around. He's like, this bullshit is bullshit. No, I mean he's been doing this for a while, and maybe some of the glamour of it's not quite what it used to be I don't know but he just seemed the way the script is written he seemed to be a little like in another in another place time wise from any of the other Hellraisers so he's he's meaner in that he doesn't have time for this so I think as far as the leaner goes that may just have to do with the costume I mean it's a, it's a new look it's okay. not the classic uh, pinhead Hellraiser it's not the classic pinhead costume. I, I have a new look, and it's uh, as Gary said. It's it's 
it's more about the order of the gash, which is, you know, of course, if you from Hellbound Heart, that's where these, where the Hell Priest and all the other Cenobites are from originally. They are from the order. They're, they're, what do you say, the da 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 da. Oh, I can't remember this religious term, but they are, they, they're from the order of the gash. And so, anyway, I've got this big gash in the middle of my chest, and it's completely different than the, that nipple thing or whatever it is, uh, that, which is so cool, which is more related, I believe, to S&M, the original pinhead costume, I think is a lot more related to S&M than this, than, the, than my leaner costume. I don't have big shoulder pads, um... I think I think that's kind of where the leaner comes from. Okay, that makes sense. I don't think that makes sense. Actually, physically, I don't think my face is any leaner. I don't know exactly what the leaner means. Um, I know I'm leaner than than the Revelations guy, but you know I picked on him enough tonight, so that's not even, <laughs> I didn't even mean to ever mention him, and I've done it like four times. <laughs> well, what was it like getting into the uh, uh, like? Were you doing different postures in the mirror? to try to like mimic something badass and mean or, I mean, how, how was that uh, psychologically on you? Yeah, Just the well, movement. The, the, the first thing I had on was the makeup and then I had on the costume. When I put on the, the makeup, I, I believe Gary told me that when, when Doug originally had the makeup put on for the very first time, he, he asked everyone to leave for 20 minutes so that he could, so that he could explore what the makeup could do in the mirror with no one there and how far he could go or how subtle he could be with it. And when Gary told me that, I thought, you know, I will, of course, want to do that same kind of thing. And I, they did allow for that. I had plenty of time to, you know, like the guy putting out, applying the makeup would go away and I'd lean forward and I'd just start moving my face and I'd explore it that way. That's awesome. And... The makeup transformed me. I mean, it's kind of like, to a huge extent, the makeup and the costume do the work. Now, you, of course, have to bring it on top of that, but you, if you do too much... I mean, I'm a, I'm a theater actor, so I know that theater actors sometimes go too far with TV and with movies. There, it's, a different, it's a different world. It's about the eyes. It's about the twitch and the eyebrow or whatever. It's not about so much about what your hand does. Um, that's stage. So... That, along with the costume, which was very constricting around my neck, it really informed my posture and the way I moved. And I, I knew from from other from watching Doug, for example, in other in in, in Hellraiser movies, that I really it was a, there was a simplicity to the movement, and it was I would only have to move my head when I really had to drive a point home. Otherwise, I could just because it's already on film, so already the camera is doing a lot of the work. But so it, the camera may be moving, and you're not, which means you don't have to move. And at the same time, if you do move, it means something. It has to mean something. There has to be a reason, especially for a character like Pinhead, to actually make the effort to look at someone else. I mean, that's like okay, that's an affront. Just looking at another person is like uh, yeah. So. Anyway, um, yeah. So how long? How long? Okay. Did it, how long did it take to put that makeup on? It was about an hour and fifteen minutes to glue it all on, and then and uh, it's funny because 
every, every with every movie, apparently there's this thing among makeup artists where it's a competition to get it done as quickly as possible yeah. before it just to look good. That's cool. So the the guy doing my makeup, put, actually applying it, uh, Mike uh, Me, 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 Mike Miasmer, great guy. Um, he did it in about an hour and fifteen minutes, and then. That was just gluing it all on. There were three pieces. That's just to glue it all on. And then there had to be, like, readjustment of pins, and there had to be airbrushing and putting in the contacts. And the very last piece was the lower lip. And that wasn't done until shortly before we'd start shooting. So there was a lot of touch-ups after that. But basically, the whole process was about an hour and 45 minutes. Man, how many times did so you have to do bad. that? Huh? How many times did you have to do that? I had three days on the film. Okay, Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was there for a week, but they only need they only used me three days, which was kind of cool because I had a weekend to just chill out with the cast and crew. Yeah, that is awesome. Did you have to shave your head yeah, that for that, or was it just a mold over? I didn't have to. I didn't have to, but I I um I asked Gary because I've always wanted to shave my head and I never had before. There'd never been a role, and there'd never been a reason, and I do TV commercials sometimes, so it's a non-commercial thing to do, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I'm now in the film world, and maybe I should just shave it. And I asked him if he wanted me to shave it, and he said, well, that would sort of make applying the makeup easier, because otherwise we have to... Like when they did my my head mold, they had to use a, a bald cap on me. Um, I asked him if he wanted me to shave it. And he said, sure, that would make it easier to put on the makeup. So I shaved it. I, it was my choice, though. That's awesome. Now, yeah. uh, just for uh, video landers that are fans of Hellraiser, did you bring any details over from previous Hellraiser films to help bring this pinhead to life? Any kind of movements or anything that, you know, uh, Doug Bradley did in the other films? Um, I don't think so. Little, I, little I, Easter I, eggs, that'd be fun to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched, yeah. I didn't even think to do that, actually. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't even think to do any Easter egg kind of things. Um, you know, there, there's. I did watch. I was watching Hellraiser films for quite a while, and watching his movement, his delivery. But there came a certain point where, well, first of all, Gary said, "Okay, now stop watching Hellraiser movies." Okay. And and start watching these other these. Start looking at some other films. Yeah. That he listed the number of actors. You should watch this guy. You should watch this guy. You should watch this guy. And I would watch these films just to, and they were all films that, that featured horrible, you know, uh, screen villains who had a stillness to them and had a, you know, were very threatening in the first place. You know, that's very interesting too, because, you know, we all know, um, you know, like Doug Bradley's performance, you know, great. We love it, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's very yeah. Hellraiser, but there, there has to be a point where you can't neuter yourself to give a great yeah, performance because exactly. you might be cheating, not just, uh, you might just be cheating the Hellraiser franchise if you're not willing to yeah. explore because the best versions of, of, of anything is still ready to be done, I believe, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the, what was I going to say? Um, forgot what I was going to say. Did you ever get yes. into, oh, oh, no, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I have been in, in show in theater productions, uh, certain shows that were long running hits wherever they were. Uh, like they were created somewhere, and then thirty years later they're still running with, and they and they and they're like a machine, and they just keep doing the same script over and over and over. So it's different than Hellraiser because it's not even a different script for each film. It's not a different script for each uh, play. It's 
the same play over and over and over again for 30 years. So you finally get this role, and it's a comedy, and the direct, the producing director, the guy who created the role 30 years ago, wants you to do it just like he did it when he created the role, because he's still living in that world, because, well, he's got problems. But, but <laughs> there is no way you're going to get your laughs consistently if you try to do it his way. And this director would would come to see the show and um, I would try to do it his way because I'd get in trouble if I didn't do it his way, but then I wouldn't get my laughs. But when he wasn't there, I could do it my way and I'd get all my laughs. And it's so that's, you know, it drives your point home. It's like, you've got to do it your way. So there was a certain point where I'm like, I'm not that Bradley and I can't expect to be him. So I'm just, I'm just doing the Paul T. Taylor scary thing. That's smart I, though, I, man. I, yeah. You got to do that. You, you can't, Try to do, be somebody else. Can you can you imagine like, if Heath Ledger just would have gave us a Jack Nicholson? Oh my god! You know, and I love Jack oh Nicholson's god. performance, but it's it's different. But yeah. can you imagine if he would have just recycled that? We would never have got yeah. this great performance from you know Heath Ledger. Oh my god! It was so freaking brilliant. It was, and it was, and it was, and so was Jack Nicholson. But it was a different time in that franchise. It was just. It was a different Joker. It needed to be a different Joker. When Tim Burton does Batman, or wait, I don't even, did he do that one? Yeah, Tim yeah, Burton, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was the first one. Yep. Um, yeah, when Tim Burton does Batman, there's a little showbiz to it. Yeah. But, but this is a darker time, and Heath Ledger's performance was what was called for. Now, granted, he went too far with it. He took the method too far, and it's so... Such a tragedy. I mean, that guy was so freaking talented. But there's, there's, you know, there's insanity. There's insanity everywhere. And actors who want to live in their worlds, I, I'm, I'm with them. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a method actor myself. But to not be able to separate yourself is true insanity. You know, it's psychotic, and that's, it's so sad. God, it's sad. I think that he never recovered from that dark place he went to, and that's why. It was on all the drugs, and it's just, it's awful. It's just awful, you know? But obviously, I mean, I'm stating the obvious here. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. do you have anything to say to video landers who are skeptical of Hellraiser Judgment? Well, first of all, I don't blame them for being skeptical. I mean, they, they, there have been some, some bad ones, but some bad Hellraisers, but I would say just, this is not going to be a bad one. This is, just give it a chance. The, the script is good. It's a passion project. It's a real Hellraiser movie, not something with just elements, you know, stuck in there. Um, and it's a new time. You know, everything was on. This franchise has been around for 30 years. You can't live in the past. Yeah. Living in the past is sick. you got to live in the present moment and, you know, and get over it, basically. I would, that's sort of basically what I would say. Get over it. I'm not that Bradley. This isn't one through eight in the Hellraiser series, and um, just be glad that there's there's a Hellraiser movie coming out. Yeah, that's right what on. I would say. I just hope they give it a chance, and hopefully they find something positive and, and entertaining in it. I don't know, but that's what I would say to them. Awesome, and you've been so awesome with your time, man. I really do appreciate it. Um, what's next? Oh, this for... has been great fun. Mark. Yeah, dude, I love this, man. What's next for Paul Taylor, man? If I, if if anybody could come up to your door and be like, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do? What's the future? What 
what do I want to do? What do you want to do, man? I want to play. I want to play Pennywise and it, but it's too late, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, just um, just a hair too late. <laughs> what I want, what I want is to create. I want to create my own uh, film where there is yet another horror uh, icon. Now, I don't mean something that has to be a franchise. I just mean something that... I, I mean, I have, I have a story to tell, and, and, and it's my based on my own life. Maybe once I get over more of it and I'm able to be more objective, it'll be a better story, but I have some pretty funny, horrifying, entertaining things to say and to bring to an audience to hopefully entertain them to gross them out and to help them to grow somehow spiritually anyway blah 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 what i really want to happen is for that phone to ring and for uh someone to say hello paul this is clyde barker really like to use you in my next film or or something you know i just i just want the movie to be so well received that i have to be in the next one and 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 I, I just, I want more than anything in my life to be a, film, a successful film actor. I'm already a successful theater actor. I, I work all the time in the theater, and I love it. It's, it's my lifeblood. But I wanted to be in film my entire life, and I've not exactly put myself in the right places for that to happen for whatever reason. So... I just want the trajectory I'm on right now to continue to bring me more attention so that I'm offered other horror films, hopefully, and just films, not just horror films. Of course, I want to do comedies. I want to do dramas. I want to, I, 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 I want to work with um, people like, uh, oh my God, I can't think of anybody, but um, I just, I want to do, you know, Kate Blanche, I want to do Clay Pence. <laughs> well, that's the scotch talking. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I just hope for the, that the future is as bright as I know it can be. Um, and that I get to explore more of Pinhead. I mean, three days on the set as Pinhead was, I just kind of like, I tell people I went, I had, I, I went to hell and it was heaven, something, something <laughs> cheesy like that, because it was so much, I loved it so much, and to live in that world, and to just be, there is no other place in the world I'd rather be than on a film set, no other place, That's being awesome. on a film set is the best thing in the world, for me, and so, um, yeah, that's that's my hope for my future. Dude, that's awesome, man. And you know what, man? I uh, the reason I do what I do, man. I I love this, man. I I love just being able to chit chat with people that are excited, you know. And you can definitely tell yeah. that you're excited, not just about Hellraiser, but the future of uh, just your future, the future of movies in general, stage, man. It just it it excites me, and it it makes me more creative, you know. It makes me oh, want to give yes. the best interview. It makes me want to have the best conversations because you know this is a uh, this is just awesome, man. Talking to someone who's just inspired, man. That's it's one of the best Thank things you. is just to talk to someone who's inspired, man. Thank you, Brad. Re- being creative is the key. If that, that's what we're here for. I really, I mean, so we're all we're all here in this world on this earth for a reason, whether we want to believe it or not, it's my belief, and 
those of us who are born to create, maybe more than others, maybe we're born just to be artists, you know? It's like, just do that thing. Whatever, whatever costs you, do that thing. You know, the real world can wait. We got to live in the moment. Life is short, and then we're dead, and then we're rotting corpses. Man, I hope Our bodies. Yeah, you know? that's so true, man. I hope someone grasped that, man, because there's probably someone that's going to be listening to this that's probably, you know, driving a fork truck, been working ten years in a factory, and I, I used to be that guy, man. And I said, no, fuck that, you know. Yeah, I, I, I want to be creative, I man. That, I was never that guy. I always rejected it, even though I mean, you wouldn't have thought. Me growing up in uh, middle America, son of a dentist, in the middle of Kansas, you know, just white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, growing up in this straight-laced world, I never embraced it. I was like, I'm not, that's not who I am. I'm a freak. I want to be a freak. I want to be strange. I am strange. I'm funny. I'm weird. That's good. Yeah. I'm an original, you know? It's good to be an original. And and to, to, to deny that and try to be whatever normal is, nobody is normal. There's no such thing. People who think they're normal are insane. Yeah. There's so much insanity in the world. I mean, people are just nuts. And driving a and Ford truck, man, that pays the bills. You know, that pays the bills, that puts food on the table. But you got to yeah, find yeah, your yeah. way out, man. You don't. You might not have to create on stage. You might not have to create, you know, um, on 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 stage somewhere, or be an actor or a director. But create something, man. If you if your thing something. is being a woodworker or a blacksmith, man, you find your yeah. out and start creating. It's about your yeah, and that'll help with you with your spiritual growth and with being happy. And again, I'm not connecting spiritual growth to religion. I, personally, I don't think it has anything to do with religion. It's your connection to the earth to whatever the universe the other planets whatever some people don't believe that of course i know that but it's it, it's all about you know life if if we are born and then die and there's nothing else then what was the point what yeah oh man point? that that's the saddest story ever told isn't it i know and i don't believe it personally but some people do yeah and i believe in possibilities and i think that's possible but this is also possible this is what i choose to believe and that's what makes me happy. And if that makes me happy rather than sad, which is what this belief would make me, then I'm going to choose the happy, you know? Yep. So I agree, man. You know? Yeah. Well, anyway. man, where can Video Land find you, Paul? Well, I, I, um, let me get my card. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's my card. Um, I have, I have, I mean, if you mean physically, I, I'm going to be at a couple different, um, a couple of different conventions coming up already. Even though the movie hasn't even come out, but they're they're just in in Texas. Just, okay. I say just they're in Texas. Um, like one is going to be Tyler Rose City Comic Con in uh, Tyler, Texas, over Halloween weekend, and then New Year's Eve I'm going to be in Dallas at the Sheraton with this thing called Marvelous Nerd Year's Eve, which is related to GeekExpos.com. Um, and then hopefully, you know, after the movie comes out, it'll be such a smash that I'll be seen everywhere in person. But as far as, like, professionally, I, I, I have three films that I have coming up that are smaller projects, but they're still exciting. That are They're all three local. They're all three in the Dallas area, which is really cool, I think. I, I 
I've wanted to do local film for a very long time, and it's kind of a it's kind of hard to get into that world, actually. Believe it or not, even when they hardly pay anything, it's it's kind of a a, a small world, and and Hellraiser Judgment has really opened opened me up to that and given me more opportunities. And then I have two plays coming up that I'm going to be doing in Dallas. Um, well, actually, one in Oklahoma, one in Dallas. But other than that, on Facebook, I'm uh, I have a fan page, and I'd love it for everyone to go like me on the, at Paul T Taylor. And it's just a fan page. It's not like, you know, be my friend on Facebook. It's just a fan page. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Paul T. Taylor, at Popo Herman. Um, that's a long story. <laughs> P-O-P-O Herman. Anyway, kind of like P-O-E, but not. Um, and on Instagram, I am the real Paul T. Taylor. And I also have a website called paultaylor.com. So oh, cool. I didn't, know, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, I'm not terribly good at keeping up with all that stuff, but I try to, I try to, what do they call it, content? Yeah, I'm from <laughs> the 60s and the 70s. Content is not really the way I think, but I'm tr- I'm working on it. I'm trying, I'm trying to utilize it, you know. Right on, um, man. Anyway, you know, in, yeah. in closing here, you know, you're always on stage and, you know, what's the, what's a play that we should be looking out for, man? I like to end on something like that where, you know, something that we might not have heard of, but you're like, man, give it a year, give it a couple years and that's going to, it's going to take storm. There's a play that I did last year and actually one of them that's coming up is the same play. Um, I did it at a theater in Fort Worth. It's called Mr. Burns, a post-apocalyptic play. Um, and uh, it actually, the role I played in the third act of it really related to to Pinhead in a certain way, which is really cool because he was this totally e- this embodiment of total evil. But it's um, it's post-apocalyptic in that the in this play when it begins several weeks before the, the grid has fall- the electrical grid has fallen. There's been a nuclear meltdown. There's been it's basically an apocalypse has happened in the world. And these people are discovered. There's no electricity. They're discovered in a camp at a campsite. They're they're retelling the um, it just to because as 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 humans, what do we do when we're in dire straits and there's nothing left? We tell stories. We pass on our stories. So they're trying to recall the details of the episode from The Simpsons called Cape Fear, which is <laughs> based on the movies, and. Um, and then in the and, and it's really dark, but it's funny because of course there's the comedy of what are they doing? They're retelling the Simpsons. But at the same time, everyone has a gun. People will murder you for your food. I mean, it's it's a real <laughs> deal. And then in the second act, it's like seven years later, and these same the same troop of people have become an acting troupe. And there's some new character, new people as well who've joined them. And what they do for a job, there's still no electricity. There's no gas. There's no cars. They they um, they travel around uh, the country doing their their retellings of TV commercials, pop hits, and they their specialty is episodes from The Simpsons. And people, this is people's entertainment, and they pay people for correct for precise lines from episodes, and it's like a business. Then the next act takes place seventy five years later, completely different people, where this story, the story of the Simpsons, Mr. Burns, Kate Fear, has become legend and it's become folklore and it's completely different people because it's 75 years later and it is a stage production being put on 
for the audience based on these stories that these other, pe- these other people have passed on. I got to play Mr. Burns in Act 3. Oh, and sweet. it was so freaking amazing because he's, he's morphed from Sideshow Bob into Mr. Burns because, because in, you know, in Cape Fear episode, Sideshow Bob is a villain. But in this, he's morphed into Mr. Burns because really Mr. Burns is the ultimate villain. He is the cause. He's the greed. He's the nuclear. He's all this stuff. He is the embodiment of evil. And the Simpsons, the four members of the Simpsons family have become these archetypal uh, symbols, classical theater symbols. Um, It could be Greek, you know, storytelling. Um, And Bart Simpson is the hero. And, and every, and, wow. and of course, Marge is the mother, and, all, and and Lisa is the virgin, and Homer is not the idiot, but he's the simple, loving father. And it's really, it's I'm getting chills talking about it, because I'm so excited that I get to do it again. I'm gonna oh, wow. Larry, that sounds awesome, Larry. The theater in Oklahoma City, after I do the next play I'm doing, which is not that one. And now, um, yeah, so keep an eye out for Mr. Burns, a post-apocalyptic play, and especially for this uh, playwright named Anne Washburn. Um, she is so brilliant, and the play I'm doing next is also by her. I feel really excited to be doing another play by her. Is she from um, Texas then, or? No, she's not. She's from, I want to say Chicago, either Chicago or New York. I mean, she's, these, these plays have been, have made the rounds a bit, actually, I think this is, 10 out of 12, which is the, the first play I'm going to be doing by her, um, Star Wars was in October, she, that is, was done in 2015, so it's a very new play. Um, I can't remember the name of the, the name of the theater that did it, Playwrights Arise? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm not even going to try, but um, yeah, she's a brilliant playwright, and she, her stuff is so cutting edge, and different and smart and contemporary it's just really she has new ideas and she just goes with them and she knows how to write a play she knows how to write dialogue so hopefully she'll be writing screenplays someday i hope so that's but anyway awesome. yeah that is I super cool for that well awesome man thank you very much you've been very gracious with your time man looks like we're about an hour and 41 so we got a nice meet. i know that's crazy yeah that's crazy. yeah i loved every minute though man loved every minute of it Cool. Thank you, Mark. This was so much fun. Yeah, no problem. And you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com. But the conversation begins and ends on uh, Facebook, so visit us um, on our Facebook page. Um, As Videolanders, we try to live healthy so we can live longer so we can watch more movies. I think it works out pretty well. So (laughs) until next time, Videolanders, peace out. (laughs) 